I've been to hell and back. Can I say that on the radio? I have. I think you can. I can. I have been to hell, and it's been awful. And I had many moments of wondering if God made a mistake with my life. If I was just caught between life and death, my body didn't work, but I wasn't in heaven. And what is that? What now? What could God possibly do through this severely broken, messed up body and life? And how could this be the goodness of God? Hmm, Some tough questions from a woman who knows pain and suffering and grief intimately. And yet she believes in the healing and restoration that only God can bring. You'll hear a lot more of her dramatic story on today's Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, we hear from so many families who have experienced unexpected tragedy and pain in their lives. Uh, Things like divorce or infidelity or the loss of a family member, maybe a prodigal child. Um, These issues can really challenge your faith. And that's where we're challenged, not when life is easy, but when it gets bumpy. Because somehow, uh, you may be thinking, if I love God and serve him, then everything's going to go okay. He'll take care of me. Uh, Well, we know from the story of Job in the Bible that um, he felt the same way. And as we'll hear from our guests today, no one is immune from trouble or trauma in this life. And it's not the measure of God's love for us. In fact, Jesus told us uh, to expect hardship and trials and persecution. We don't understand it, and oftentimes, uh, although we try, we really can't explain it. Uh, Only God knows why these things happen, and that's a tough place to own an answer for somebody. But today, we're going to talk with a couple who has really gone through a lot, and I know they're going to encourage you. Yeah, God was there and is there in the midst of their pain and challenges. And uh, our guests are Jay and Catherine Wolf, and uh, this is their first time in the studio with yeah. us. Welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now, I want to get right into your story because I think it will be very instructive uh, to all of us about trusting God in the middle of difficult life challenges. Um, what it means to suffer well and stay faithful to your promises, especially when things don't turn out the way you expected them to. And that's really your story. That was your experience. Um, You were both young, starting out in life as a young married couple. You were thinking about your careers and dreams for the future, and you just had your first child. Um, Everything seemed to be going in the right direction for you. And then tragedy struck one day without warning. Um, What happened? Yeah, it was just a normal day. And to clarify, we got married at 22, moved to California right then, had the baby at 25. And then as a newly 26-year-old, I just felt funny one morning, April 21st, 2008. And we didn't know really what was going on. I had these funky feelings I couldn't shake. And basically, um, things got worse as the day progressed and not better. And I ended up um, putting my son down for a nap and was going to prepare a meal in the kitchen and just shake off those weird feelings. And miraculously, Jay came home from a law school class to work on the paper and was in the back room. And basically, I fell to my hands and knees. They go numb. I start throwing up no clue what's happening. I'm able to call to Jay to dial 911. He calls 911. The paramedics quickly come 
and assess the situation, determine it's something very serious, pack me up on a stretcher, and side note, my baby is asleep in the next room through the whole thing. He did not um, wake uh-huh. up, shockingly. Pack me up on the stretcher, and as I'm leaving the apartment we're living in, married housing at Pepperdine, um, I remember thinking like, oh, I should grab a toothbrush because we might have to stay overnight. And gosh, this is so embarrassing. Like, what will the neighbors think of me? I'm such a drama queen, and this is so <laughs> stupid. And then from that moment, I lost consciousness and would not wake up for two months. So oh, I did. um out for two months and had no idea more than a night had passed. So I definitely needed that toothbrush much more than I thought, and yet not at all. I'm pretty sure Jay would have brought you one. Yeah, that's true, that's true. He had to to pack up our house alone. It was very That is, I mean, that is heavy duty, and we went through that in a fairly lighthearted fashion. But, I mean, that changed your life, this stroke what was the diagnosis? What had happened to you? Um, as I was reading uh, your book to my wife, Jane, this morning, she couldn't believe it. She has a background in biochemistry, and she just couldn't believe at age 26 that you would um, have a stroke. So what did the doctors tell you? Or I, Jay, what did they tell you sure. while she was struggling? Yeah, so we were perfectly healthy. Catherine had no symptoms there was no sense that there would be anything like this in our life. And again, that's sort of how life is, you know, in one second, uh, it just can upend and that's the world we live in. Um, and yet the doctor on call that day, this incredible neurosurgeon, Dr. Nestor Gonzalez at UCLA Medical Center, which by the way, we didn't even know had a hospital. We knew it was a college, right. but that's how sort of out of touch we were yeah, with 20 somethings things. don't go to yeah, hospitals. We didn't, we didn't have a doctor, you know, we, she was perfectly healthy. He just had a baby six months before. And he said, you know, I need you to know your wife may not make it through the day. Um, we may not even be able to attempt surgery on her because she's having a massive brainstem stroke. It's caused by a congenital, a very rare defect. So most strokes are blockages. This was a bleed. About 12% of strokes are bleeds. Of 12%, 2% are from this particular malformation called an AVM. And it's a, sort of a tangle of capillaries and blood vessels and, and that kind of a thing that just eventually wears out and ruptures. But there's usually, unless you've had a full body scan, you would never know. And so that day was the day hers ruptured out of the blue. But unfortunately, as this surgeon said, it was the largest he had ever seen in his career in the worst location by the brainstem. And so the pressure of the bleeding was literally squeezing her brain down into her spinal column, which is not survivable. So that was the the prognosis that day. Um, so you you arrived. go through that day, Jay. Let, let's concentrate on you for a minute. Um, yeah. I mean, you're at home doing a paper for your law degree. Your wife, who's only 26, is just dropped to the kitchen floor. Yeah. I mean, what's going through your mind? And then when you get to the hospital and the doctor's saying these things to you, yeah. what are you thinking? Yeah, so this was also three weeks before I was going to graduate. So I was actually going to my first finals for law school, which was why I had just a small window of about 45 minutes. And I had kind of procrastinated on the paper, so I came home. And again, you know, there were many moments like that, these little miraculous moments that you look back on and just see God's hand at work. And, uh, of course, it was one of those moments that... Many people may be listening to this program have had uh, a day where everything changes with a phone call, right. uh, with a diagnosis or whatever in a split second, and that was that day for us. And, and so I raced you know, down after the ambulance with my son, and there's a sense of shock. I mean, I, I did grow up in the church, and so, of course, you know, Dad would get a phone call and have to go to the hospital during dinner sometimes, and you, know, you just never think that you're going to be on the receiving 
end of that. Um, and so, the, you know, that day we went to the ER. It was the middle of the day on a Monday, and it was beautiful, uh, confusing sight for a second because I, I recognized a bunch of faces in the waiting room, and it was my church community who had already come before me. And, um, you know, growing up in the Bible Belt, we have all these experiences of church and, and certainly had grown up in that culture, but I think I had never experienced real church until that waiting room that night as about 100 folks gathered. Um, when we needed it, the church showed up. You know, when we need our invisible God to be made visible, that's what the body of Christ that's does. That's so good to hear. Yeah, and so that was our, this, uh, you know, when the bottom was just falling out, just my people were there yeah. to just hold me. And so we we really had church that night. You know, we had, we broke bread and pizza and, and, and prayed and cried and laughed, and it was just really this microcosm of life uh, unfolding, and yet um, not knowing if she would survive, and yeah. um, and petitioning and praying to God together, and reading Romans eight was one of her favorite chapters. So I read that, and I remember thinking, "Gosh, this feels like a lie." <laughs> in the moment, in that moment, I'm you sure know, it to did. say that God is it working all things for good right now, and you know, my my six month old may wake up without a mom tomorrow, and how is this good? And where's the love of God that's supposed to be? So yeah. close right and how now. how does this work for good? Yeah. Jay, I'm sure even now that can be difficult at times to think, okay, how does Romans 8.28 work? And certainly yeah. it wasn't the next day or the next week or right. maybe for months or maybe even years that that may have become more evident. Uh, Catherine, let me ask you, you go into a coma, I would imagine. You mentioned for two months. Um, you come out of surgery, you're not even expected to make it through surgery, right? and you survived. Tell us um, physically where you're at today. How has this impacted you? Oh, yeah. Well, from that initial two months and then on and on in acute rehab and then a brain rehab, I was in medical facilities for about two years total to recover to the point that I have largely remained today. I've made small gains in many areas, but I'm fully disabled now. I can't even drive a car. Um, I can't walk on my own. I have a hand that doesn't work. I have no fine motor control in it. I'm deaf in one ear. I have severe double vision and can't see. My face is paralyzed on one side. And um, that's just a few of the outer issues. I've got loads of different complicated problems. I've had 11 surgeries post-stroke. I severely broke my right leg um, several years ago and um, have osteoporosis actually post-stroke because I am, my bones are very brittle and I have had um, really just a lot of really tough stuff medically um, post-stroke. But um, that's not unusual tragically. Stroke can it's leading in the world cause of disability right now. So right. it's not uncommon to have your body really wrecked by stroke. And mine for sure is. And yet, as you can see, that hasn't really affected the soul too much. And, um, <laughs> well, you must have been just a whippersnapper even before the stroke. Oh, huh? uh, I think yeah. so. Um, I think I, yeah, God wired me this way for sure. But well, let also, me, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I think that in all of our struggles and pain in life, no matter what it is or this severe or not, God is asking us, you know, okay, become more who you really are. Uh, you're listening to Focus on the Family. I'm Jim Daly, along with John Fuller. Our guests today are Catherine and Jay Wolf. Uh, we're covering really the life story that they have together in a book they've written called Hope Heals. 
Um, we have some in the audience, and they follow you on uh, Facebook and Twitter. I'm <laughs> sure all the other things, and people can go see that as well. <laughs> um, can I ask you, Catherine? Uh, you're buoyant. You, ha- I could tell your spirit, that resiliency. Um, there are people that are going to say, with similar or even maybe lesser issues in their lives, it, it buries them. Right. They can't wake up with joy right. in the morning. Absolutely. Did you have those moments when you were saying, God, why me? Absolutely. Anyone would be just denying emotion and really suppressing the laments that they have about their lives, that they just brushed over everything and, you know, slapped a Jesus sticker on it. That's not real. I've been to hell and back. Can I say that on the radio? I have. I think you can. I can. I have been to hell and it's been awful. And I had many moments of wondering if God made a mistake with my life. If I was just caught between life and death, my body didn't work, but I wasn't in heaven and what is that what now what could god possibly do through this severely broken messed up body and life and how could this be the goodness of god how could how could god be real how could god care what's going on in my darkest moments i wondered if it wouldn't be easier if i work on if if that way jay could remarry a healthy woman james could have a healthy mommy and Everybody could eventually stop being so sad and burdened by me. And God really spoke into that in a um, really powerful way through the scripture that I'd known since I was a little girl. And he really encouraged me that Psalm 139 is true, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that birth defect in my brain that would explode when I was 26 years old was there in utero. And it didn't surprise God. I was fearfully and wonderfully made from then in utero. I think that's very important Mm. to note. I think that the deep truth that God called me to this, Mm. that now I was chosen to suffer well, to really own this and say Ephesians 4.1 is true, that I am called to now live a life worthy of this special calling that I've received that may look nothing like I thought it would work, mm-hmm. but really, whose does, gang? Nobody. Everybody's yeah. life looks different than they thought, but mm-hmm. God works in that and moves and changes our hearts, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I so appreciate that perspective because I think we can go through this life, especially as materialistic and convoluted and busy as it is that we don't actually end up concentrating on the core stuff and god got your attention that's one of the benefits hopefully i doubt it was the reason Um, but he got your attention in a way to understand this life in such a deeper and more meaningful way and as we i'm going to add to that as we talk you know as a church much less a society about suffering I mean, that's about the last thing on the list anybody wants to talk about, oh, right? Oh, man, who wants it? And so the idea, too, of, of suffering young when you have this life ahead of you, it looks like the biggest tragedy, yes, particularly so from a worldly perspective. But I think the strange gift in suffering and looking at the ministry and the life of Christ and this communion with Christ and suffering is sort of this uh, this gift of darkness in a way that we get to engage and open it. And when we do it when we're young, it can inform the way we live the rest of our lives. We don't, we're don't we not on our deathbed saying, gosh, I... I I wish I had known <laughs> this. I, I wish I knew how fleeting and how valuable it was that I had lived differently, you know, all those years previously. And for us, God willing, we'll get to say, 
you know, we know what matters. All these distractions in so many ways have fallen away. Um, and so we get to lean into that and try to suffer well and know who Christ is in and through that, not in spite of it, but actually through it. Yeah. So and Jay, you don't get away from this microscope either because uh, it's meaningful to see you in this situation mm. continuing to love Catherine as you did all during that time. Um, divorce rates in this situation are quite high. Sure. And people give up because they get tired, discouraged, whatever it might be. Um, but tell us about why you've done that. What motivated yeah. you to hang in there? What gets you up every day? Yeah, I think, you know, it's evolved. I think um, the first stages after this stroke happened and life, life changed forever, there was a sense of, um, you know, this happened to me too. <laughs> and yet I have all my capabilities and I can advocate for Catherine in ways she can't advocate for herself. And I want her to know more than anything that she's not alone right now. And uh. I think it was, uh, wasn't even intentional, but it was, I think, this sort of incarnational way that Christ meets us, you know, embodies the love and support. It's one thing to sort of think about it in theory. It's another thing to show up in person and say, I'm here. And that was sort of the beginning. Um, my motivation was just, I want her to know she doesn't have to climb up out of this pit alone. And that's yeah. what I can give her, even though it's hard for me. And I'm going to have to enter into a, a marriage and a life that I didn't sign up for. Um, but one was, day at a time, that was sort of the focus. Was there a moment, and maybe it was many moments, mm -hmm. where... Because I think of most marriages and most difficulties in marriages usually um, surround selfishness. You know, when you get right down to it, yeah. she or he doesn't do these things for me or the way I want it done. Mm -hmm. And it creates anger and bitterness and strife and you argue. And it's all this stuff that God really uh, is dishonored by. Yeah. Did you have a moment where you knew your selfishness was coming to an end? Yeah, I think it, more than one moment there was this um, this recognition that um, in caregiving especially, which is this, a that, really yeah. unique, um, challenging role that is often, you know, as many times as those who are sick or dying or disabled or invisible, their caregivers are even more so. You know, people will often still say, mm -hmm. oh, Catherine's story, Catherine's story, which is great, but it's our story, you know? This, Describe this, that um, because for those of us that don't get it with, you know, the sure. appropriate um, caveats, but yeah. w what does right. the caregiving look like in this situation? Yeah, I mean, and again, I, I can speak just to my experience and story, but it has given me such an empathy for this oh, huge population yeah. of those who, who the world is not made for in a physical way, you yeah. know, and who need other people to wow. come alongside and help them. And, and that's what Christ does to us, yeah. but it's the most... Um, one of the most challenging things we can do is to say, even though yeah. I feel pain, I'm going to take on yours too. Yeah. Right. And the beautiful thing is in that process that we both feel the pain less because we're shouldering it together. Yeah. And that's can what I, we've gotten to do. Can together. I, I mean, it, it, some of this may be too personal, but being two firstborns and, you know, given your environment, your circumstances, yeah. do you still uh, argue a bit from time to time? Do you oh, struggle? yeah. Or? Listen, that's not remotely. Usually on the way to church or uh, on a, you know, before <laughs> we church. Okay, program. so that's all normal. Good. Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I mean, the reality is if anyone's totally pretending if they're not real about the fact that they have rocking fights. Everybody does. <laughs> Fighting isn't the issue. The solution, how you come to a solution That's is right. more of the issue. How you resolve it. Yeah. yeah, how you resolve it. We fight it out all the time. <laughs> and I don't mean like door slamming, screaming, hysteria, but like conflict. Oh yeah, we have strong opinions. We're um, you know, we're people who want to mm -hmm. like 
show up for our lives, and that brings conflict because sure. we see the world differently, but we're one. And <laughs> so that's kind of the normal setting for you guys. Totally. It's okay. Um, Absolutely. No, it is. It really you know, is. A, a great thing happened. The Lord really blessed you with a miracle. And Catherine, this is something that was in your heart that you wanted to have another baby, but and you yes. had no Can idea. Can you believe it? It's crazy. <laughs> I'm on Medicare. I've had crazy surgeries, difficulties. I have a very disabled body, obviously. And so you would think no one would think it a good idea to have a baby, to become pregnant and have a baby, I should say. Second or child. Second it? child, yes. And um, last summer, after being cleared medically, um, I was able to have a baby. John Nestor named her neurosurgeon, Nestor Gonzalez, who saved my life um, twice, actually. And I... Um, have had a really hard time, to be honest, with that baby. He's now 18 months old and still rocking our world. It's, um, <laughs> it's very difficult to be fully disabled and care for a super active um, little spunky rug rat being a <laughs> nut job, but he's the cutest little squirrel in the world, and I um, am loving it, and it's truly, in a way, and in a way, it's the years, the locusts have eaten, and I'm getting to see that restored, and that's beautiful, but it's um, it's intense, and there are moments of deep sadness of, oh, this is what it would have been like with James, when James was nine months old and did that cool thing for the first time, and I wasn't there for James, but it's really incredible that I am there for John, and Mommy does get to see that. It's very special. And you have turned this pain into a passion, a ministry that you call Hope Heals. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, we were talking about your necklace before coming on air. Right. And it's an anchor, uh, the shape of an anchor. Uh, Describe that and tell us why you wear that. Absolutely. The anchor is everything to us. It's the symbol of our ministry. And as Hebrews 6.19 says, the anchor is firm and secure. And if you've seen the graphic of our ministry anywhere, the anchor is above the water, which is really unusual because anchors are supposed to be underwater. But oh no, our anchoring is above the rocky waves of this world. We are secure forever because the anchor is not underneath the water, but above we can't really be touched. Well, Jane Catherine, this is an incredible story because of how you reacted to what life has thrown you in such a wonderful way and how that inspires others to hopefully rise to the challenge as well, uh, to say, you know, where is your anchor? Is it in Jesus or in the trials and tribulations of this world? Uh, Your testimony tells others to look up, to look to God, and that's what's so beautiful about your story. Uh, Catherine and Jay, man, I am going out of this room on cloud nine because of what you have demonstrated to all of us today. Your love for God, your love for each other, your commitment to each other, your love for your kids, your desire, even though it could be dangerous to have another child. I'd say that's one of the most pro-life statements I've heard, (laughs) you know, Um, and I admire it. And I, all I could say is God bless you guys. I'm going to start following you too on Facebook. (laughs) So I hope many, many others do because you're such an encouragement to us. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for letting us be here. We will always focus on the family (laughs) because, um, 
wonderful resources that you provide. And uh, gosh, we just love what y'all are doing, pointing people to Jesus and their families. How amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) And what a privilege to have Jay and Catherine Wolf with us in the studio today. And I hope their message of healing and hope has inspired you in your faith. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. Today's program was a true testimony of commitment in marriage. I'm not sure many couples could survive the tragedy that Jay and Catherine experienced, but I particularly loved when Catherine referred to God restoring to her the years that the locusts had eaten, and her positivity towards life was inspiring. Wow. Are you facing some kind of difficulty where you're struggling with God, or you don't even know if there is a God because He seems silent towards your suffering? I encourage you to call us here at Focus. We have caring Christian counselors who can talk with you and put tools in your hands. So if you're feeling like you're in a dark place and there's no light at the end of your tunnel, today is the day to call us. Our number is 031-716-3300 or you can get in touch through the counseling page on our website at safamily.co.za. Our resource offering today is a book by a local author. It's called Keep Hope Alive. Written as a daily devotion, it's an invitation to join author Jackie Mungavin on her journey of devoted surrender when her 13-year-old daughter was involved in a car accident that threatened her life. Find it online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. I'm so glad you could be with us today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Graham Schnell, inviting you to join us next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.